0: sleepers podcast wednesday february 7th should be a fun episode today uh very excited for this one a lot going on uh i just slipper flipped that's what just happened i double slipper flipped that was impressive
1: also can i get a can i get a slippers check real quick what kind of slippers you got
0: oh my good friend, yes, you can. Of course, you can. Uh, okay. We're working with the Izod's Izod slippers. Okay, see those. I, I don't know if those got enough insulation for my liking. These are just around the house slippers. I have cozier slippers as well, but oh, I would dude. I would never flip my coziest slippers. Unlike
1: you, you have those slippers ago. from Amazon with like
0: the big smiley face on them. I don't. My wife does. My wife does too. Yeah, love yeah. that our wives are aligned on that hey can I get a backyard bird situation check for those that don't know uh Carter Elliott's backyard was filled i I saw this via snapchat last night source me uh was filled with roughly hundred and twenty blackbirds all convening on the ground at the same time last it was afternoon yesterday
1: yeah uh late late afternoon yesterday um and yes, and yes it was my backyard too by the way for all the I live in my mother's basement, uh, commenters out there. It was my backyard up those stairs behind me. I went to my backyard and there was about at least 100 black birds just like, I don't know, like pecking at the grass. I don't know. They're like eating something on the grass or doing something Uh, kind of freaky uh, for anyone who's seen the movie. Birds gave me gave me uh, thoughts of that. Very scary. Uh, But let Pierre out there. They all scurried. They they weren't ready for that smoke. Uh, He cleared out the yard and they have not returned.
0: Mm, good work Pierre appreciate that that's a big role Patrick Beverly the protector yeah always Um, yeah I was convinced I texted you this already so this isn't like a live joke that you haven't heard but I was convinced uh, that you had killed Toby Keith and buried him and that's why there were 110 blackbirds on the ground in your backyard any comments on the allegations that you were the one who killed Toby Keith
1: uh (laughs) If I did do it, would I be here recording this with you? Did you just OJ me? Did you just do the if I did it? Saying if I did it, like, would I still be here recording? I
0: think so. Why? Where would you be if you killed Toby Keith? Why are you asking me that like I did? I'm just – you're the one implying that if you killed Toby Keith, something different would be going on. I mean, if you did, if you
1: killed him, I feel like you wouldn't be here. I feel like something else would be going on. I would never kill Toby Keith. I would never
0: kill anyone. I'm a loving creature. I would never do kill anyone either. All right. Uh, Well, rest in peace, Toby Keith. Um, Should we get to the show? Yes. Yeah. Why don't we start off with the Carter Elliott YouTube comment of the day?
1: You do that. Once again, I kind of like that. I've been screenshotting things because I think that it helps instead of just scrolling because our comments are like, honestly going so crazy. Well, we get comments even when we're recording this. So I then gonna go with the screenshot method here. This one comes from funny shmoney. And I thought this needed to be said after my comment yesterday about tall boys. Carter, understand your point on the tall boys. However, I think that you're forgetting is, I think that what you're forgetting is unless you're drinking twice as fast, the tall boys are going to be lukewarm by the time you finish it. That's why starting off with a tall boy to motivate getting everyone in the zone early is the move and then shift everyone down to the variety pack. That is a great, great set of advice right there. And I hope everyone takes that to heart because that is true. Cause there's nothing worse. And honestly, this is kind of why I think cocktails are the move nowadays. There's nothing worse than having a beer or a seltzer. And it's not as cold as when you first, you know, indulge on it. Now I don't necessarily have that issue because I, you know, it, it's gone. I, I I don't let it get lukewarm, but I know that's a problem amongst the masses.
0: Yeah. I'm shocked that uh, you are encouraging this solution specifically for yourself because like a tall boy, ooh, ooh, it gets warm. That's not a problem you've ever run into.
1: No, it isn't. But I, I'm not like everybody. You got to understand, not everyone can walk in this gap hoodie. Yeah, you're looking out for the normal people like me, right? Yeah. No, not you. Not me. Not you. No, you never. No.
0: I, well, one, you're not a beer guy anymore. Yeah, I just kind of gave up on beer. There's a time and a place for it. Like, I definitely am in the mood for beer. But, like, if I'm drinking, which happens rarely these days, I just, I don't know. I've given up on the recreational day-to-day drinking unless there's, like, a day that I'm excited to have drinks with friends or something. Uh, If I'm doing that, I want cocktails. is what it is.
1: Yeah, true. Also, like, you just said, like, you gave up the recreational drinking when you, you were just drinking on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that was a fun day that I wanted to drink with friends.
1: Oh, okay. Got you. All right, understood.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do love that you're having a nice little back and forth with our comment section on a consistent basis. There's a lot of people that are just like engaging in dialogues with Carter Elliott. Do you enjoy that? That vibe I do. I do
1: because I don't think people really think we look at all the comments, but uh, I'm I'm
0: six, seven, a pure insecure, so I don't let a comment go by. Brought to you by the guest. <laughs> Um, you need like a full page ad, six, seven, and insecure. And it's just you smiling in an orange gap hoodie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Six, seven, and insecure for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, There was one other YouTube comment I feel obligated to address because it cracked me up. We had uh, Tristan Freeman and Lucas Harkins. Uh, Lucas, one of the best bracketology guys over at uh, Heat Check. Tristan runs Busting Brackets. Both these guys, we love them. Good friends of ours. And uh, they've been helping out doing all the previews and recaps for us on the channel which has grown a lot, by the way. We're trying to put out as many as possible, and that sometimes means Carter and I can't do them all. So all the Heat Check guys have been really helpful. Tristan's helping a little bit. We might have some more names in store that might help as we get closer to March. But Tristan and Lucas as a pair, I think this was the first time they did a couple of videos, and somebody commented and said, this ain't the sleepers, this the nappers on Twitter. (laughs) Did did you like that one? I did because – all I care about is that
1: I know it's eating Tristan alive that he got compared to me. That's all that. That's
0: all that I care about. I know it's killing him. I just, I, I was that like, was it because we had a black guy and a white guy? Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, it
1: was borderlining some racial undertones there. Also with the word nappers. I mean, it's, it's, you know, eh, eh. but uh, yeah, it, it was still hilarious. So like Tristan has, Tristan has to live with that
0: being compared to you
1: yeah like
0: that's just that's that's his that's his peak okay so you're saying it's bad for tristan to be compared to you how do you feel about being compared to him is that a good thing for you
1: i didn't think about it like that until just now that's not a good thing (laughs) that's that's not good i
0: I think you both should be honored these are people i would love to be put in the same conversation with so Anyways. Well, also, how do we know that
1: I wasn't being compared to Lucas and you weren't being compared to Tristan? Come on. Okay. Yeah. Good point.
0: Yeah. Come on. Let's go to the Discord for comments. Uh, before I get into comments in the Discord, we've had once again another flurry of signups this week. And I want to give a bunch of shout outs to those that joined. Uh, we had Tony join the Discord. We had Maddie K join the Discord. We had Wesley Hunt join the Discord. Keaton Walker joined the Discord all in the last 24 hours. Shout out to the four of y'all. Excited to see you in there, already making your presence felt. Community's growing, approaching 130 paid signups. Uh, this is going to be really fun, man. This has turned into a place where, like, on a day-to-day, I look forward to just whatever's going on in the Discord. Sometimes it's completely random things we have nothing to do with. Sometimes it's it's talk of our teams. Uh, but getting to know everybody in there, it's been a blast. So thanks to everybody for joining, specifically those four. And a special shout-out to Dylan Terpstra, by the way. I think I shouted him out last week, but I think he might have missed it uh, because he was like, damn, I really joined the Discord one day before shout-outs started. So, (laughs) Terpstra, we're glad to have you in there as well as we are with all of our paid subscribers. And uh, Basketball Jones, I know you're still listening to this. I don't need the sub-tweets from you, Basketball Jones. Carter, have you seen Basketball Jones' sub-tweets lately? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. I got to send you some screenshots, man. Uh, So he – Basketball Jones was in the Discord, and there's an infamous day. There's probably like four Mount Rushmore days (laughs) on uh, Sleeper's Discord history so far. One of the Mount Rushmore days was when Basketball Jones got in a heated debate with me, among others, about whether or not Boo Booey is a winning player. Uh, First off, everyone's got to know better by now than to slander Boo Booey, let alone in like, in my domain, like, yes. like this ain't Twitter, <laughs> not, like, this, not not in this area, boo boo. will not be slandered in anything with the word sleepers attached to it. So if we were back and forth for like hours on. Is he a winning player or not? And then uh, Coy, who does a great job helping with moderating the discord, finally stepped in and was like, why don't we all take a break? I'm locking this thread. I think two days later, Basketball Jones left the discord and unfollowed both of us on Twitter. In the time sense that uh, I didn't realize he unfollowed us because I still follow him. Like I have nothing against Basketball Jones. Like sorry if we offended you somehow. I'd, I I like Basketball Jones. He's a good Twitter follow. Um, I followed him and he I saw him like I think subtweeting us because he there was one that was like I keep getting like recommended videos on like watch this college basketball video and it's like damn lol I know more than you. <laughs> Well, he tweeted that he tweeted this a couple of days ago. And then I, I went to, uh, like try and screenshot or something and he went private. And now that we've unfollowed each other, I can't go back and look at any of his tweets. So like he, he's, I think we've made an enemy somehow. I don't know how,
1: but I like basketball Jones.
0: I know. I really liked him too. And again, I know you're listening to this basketball Jones, we're sorry we don't know what we did man but you don't need to subtweet us in the middle of your tony perkins's first team all big 10 takes like there's room for that
1: also like we're not sorry boo is good
0: <laughs> it's a winner man Like, it's a huge winner ah yeah yeah all right but uh, see what you're missing out on that's the point okay you can you can potentially become our enemy by joining the discord do do you have any comment on the fact that the
1: Mount Rushmore days have all been centered? Like you've been involved in every Mount Rush, Mount Rushmore moment.
0: What are the other Mount Rushmore moments? Uh pro- probably the
1: Well would well Jeff's back in the Discord, but the original moment was Jeff leaving. That was You're- that was a good one.
0: Yeah. I I so that one was 110% on me. I was solely responsible for that one. Um which again, just a freak freak accident of a snide comment that I made sarcastically. But uh yeah, Je- Jeff had every right to be upset. He left the Discord, but Jeff is such a good supporter of the show and a kind person. He came back to the Discord. That's this can happen. We can have a relationship where you leave, you come back. We support all of that. Shout out to Jeff Parks basketball jones i don't take any blame for i don't i didn't do anything there nobody did yeah, it there yeah no one did anything uh maybe like
1: some you and ryan the lion discourse is probably one of those moments is definitely in there that's just every
0: uh, day though yeah but the one where he actually left for like 14 hours or like 10 hours yeah but i love the lion we well, there's a mutual respect between the lion and i and uh yeah love valued member as all discord members are but ryan the lion is like a necessary presence in our discord. It would not true. be They're the same ne- without him. Yeah. There is no chord without the line. Yeah. There's gotta be something that you've done in the discord at some point. No, you'd never go in the discord actually. All right. First of all, <laughs> let's, let's, let's,
1: let's, let's get against those allegations. I've been very active in the discord. Uh, but a lot of the actions around me in the discord are people just correcting me. That's all that it is. <laughs> just, like whether I slip on a word, a name, uh, a social cue, The discord holds me so much accountable.
0: And we just want to see the best cat that we can see, you know, everybody's invested in your success. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to see the best cat that is available.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to get to the discord comments. We read the comments every single day. Uh, if you are a paid member of the discord before though, I want to give you a moment to address something. Do you know what I'm about to ask you to address? I
1: have no clue, no.
0: There's one public figure that uh, you are ride or die for at all times. Drake? Yep. Yeah. He's in the news this morning. Have you seen that? So I saw that – I saw, like, the
1: Shade Room post about it on – on uh, on Instagram, yeah. So you, you're in the know.
0: I I know the situation. Yes. Would you like to comment on behalf of your guy? Nope. This is a family friendly show, but yeah, Drake is in the news for some not so family friendly reasons, and I feel like as a Drake guy, we probably need Carter Elliot's comments.
1: Uh, See that's that's not really what would come to my mind about the situation. Um, I have no comment on the situation. That's what we're doing. Yeah, no comment. That's what we're doing. We're yeah, taking no cards,
0: comment. taking the easy way out of yeah. No, no comment. That's crazy. I think that damages your reputation as like a ride or die Drake guy. That that's fine. Uh, no comment. Do you have a comment? My comment is that I expect comment from you. Like I you're you're Drake's camp. You are ride or die for Aubrey Drake Graham. And now he's like Mr. in the news, controversial moment and you're nowhere to be found? Yeah, just no comment. I don't think like I don't accept that. When when do we run from the moment? I'm not running from the moment. I'm letting you know that I have no comment. I have, like, I want to ask follow-ups, but I feel like you're giving me nothing here. Yep. I'm going to give you a no comment. (laughs) Uh, Somehow you took PR training overnight. (laughs) I've never seen you have no comment about something. But, okay, let's move on. Uh, Discord comments. We start today with, uh, this is from Matt F. He says, what's the most obscure thing that you do? that you find enjoyable or relaxing. For example, grocery shopping for me, a Zen and a podcast while I get the weekly groceries puts me in a good spot. He was currently doing that as he posted this comment, by the way. Uh, did he, wait, Did can you list those items again? A Zen and a podcast while I get the weekly groceries.
1: That's okay. I I tried a Zen once from a buddy who is an avid Zenner or like, Chewer of tobacco, and I was like, I I keep seeing these everywhere. I just want to see like what it's about. The worst thing ever. I don't know how people operate on that. <laughs> like I don't know how people like go out and like live their days and get their day started by throwing that off. They're throwing throwing in a zin. My head was in the in the goddamn dangerous spin zone. I I hated every second of it. So I commend anyone who did that. Uh, honestly, all I need is a coffee, just coffee, and that's about it. Yeah. Coffee
0: with any activity. Well is that so that's what you find enjoyable or relaxing though? I think Matt F's looking for like what activity do you find relaxing? Not what substance do you use to even your body's balance?
1: Well, this is gonna sound pretty like boring and bad, but I truly just like firing up a, a coffee and then like scrolling scrolling Twitter to be honest, scrolling TikTok maybe. Like I'm a scroller. I want to pick my phone first thing up in the morning. That, okay. That's my that's my calm spot. It ain't golf. Like I'll tell you that shit. I know people yeah. are like, oh, like I have a nice like round. No, I want to crack my irons on my head every time I pick up a club. <laughs> uh
0: golf. I think is one for me. Um, I going on walks for me for sure. Uh, I like walking my dog a lot. I also like when I ran a lot in the summer in the mornings. That was relaxing. So. I like
1: walks when it's nice out and you're in a patio zone. Mm. Like in Ferndale, they implemented that you could like walk around with like a beverage. So I would love just like to grab like mainly a mango cart is the beer or some type of wheat ale in a plastic cup. Gotta be plastic. And just take a nice little walk. Maybe go across the street to the nicer neighborhood. Look at the nice houses. I enjoy that. Look at some houses. Yeah or like go over there when it's trash day to the the nice houses and they're like throwing away like fire things and I'll go I'll go you know I'll grab some things.
0: Okay, so Carter's answer of what he finds enjoyable or relaxing is dumpster diving the nice part of his neighborhood. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh Tristan then linked the the comment that we talked about the These ain't the sleepers. These the nappers and said, I demand a statement from the head honchos concerning this atrocious comment about me and Lucas. It was a great comment, to be honest, Tristan. We 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 commend it. That's the official statement. We're in support of danger season on Twitter (laughs) for now. Uh, Anyone with if
1: I'm not mistaken, danger season has a has has teetered some lines that I don't want to speak about.
0: Okay. once again, no comment from you. You're 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 in no comment mode today. I just commented. What do you mean? Well, your comments are a lot of no comments on behalf of it's all right. It's fine. I guess we're just staying out of controversy today. I can work with that. Uh, Yeah, I I thought the comment was hilarious. It made me laugh. Uh, With that said, if anyone's going to get slandered on the sleepers channel or under the sleepers umbrella, it better be us like you you better slander these two faces right here. So I but I don't think that was slander. I think that was just a funny play on the name sleepers. Hey, you ever tried pointing at
1: yourself with your thumb instead of another finger? Does it feel good? Like like if you're going to come at me, if you're going to come at my boys, you got to come at me and like do the thumb at yourself. <laughs> that feels pretty good. Yeah, it does. Like you want to go through him, you got to come through me first.
0: That feels real. I like it from the side better than like yeah, like a little Yeah, that's good. You got to see. got to see. got to see me, bucko. You okay? Did you just get hurt? Um, I just hit the hell out of my hand on my side table. Mm, Wow. Tough adversity. Okay, to the next comment. Malik Perry says, I'm tired of this Booker minutes thing. Izzo should do this. Izzo should do what he thinks is right. We all have opinions, but I think everyone wants to see him play. But guess what? No more saying car minutes like they say more Booker minutes.
1: Okay, one, I want more car minutes, and I'm not advocating for more Booker minutes. I just want him to stop lying about giving Booker minutes because you don't want to. You could do it if you wanted to, but you don't.
0: I'm a big stop fan explaining. of when you lean forward in the in the video. I, I kind of want to keep you there. The rest stop of- lying to this guy. Malik has another one. He says it feels good to be back. And Guy needs a thread for Nebraska after their huge victory. I got beef with Guy. What's your beef with Guy?
1: He's just, he's spewing nonsense in the Discord channel, and it's and it's getting to me. What did Guy say in the Discord yesterday? Uh, was well, he said Michigan State's not making the tournament? He said that Michigan State is going to go three and six in their next nine games. <laughs> um, he said that as of today, Michigan State would not make the tournament um you know some some a10 nonsense was floated around there as well i just i just think that kise tomonag and the boys got him way too big for his bridges
0: Hmm. Bridges. well you are you are oh and one against nebraska this year i am so guy is technically allowed to talk down to you then right not when he can't fight (laughs) who how do we know the guy can't fight I know for a fact guy can't fight. We don't encourage guy to fight. I want to make that very clear guy. We must protect guy at all costs. I bet you guy does have a green belt in like Taekwondo. (laughs) I can see that for sure. Dylan Terpstra says, how good would Michigan state be this year? If they had a transfer center, the caliber of rank mast. Also, you guys should make the trip for Michigan state versus Illinois. Start with uh, the rank mast comment. How good would Michigan state be with rank mast?
1: I think they'd be very.
0: I think it'd be a top 10 Uh, top 15 team. Yeah, I agree. Maybe top ten, honestly. Rank mast is like incredible, and I think he'd probably be Michigan State's second best player. Yeah, yeah, be really, really good. Uh, who's better, Rank Master Joey Hauser? Ooh, I think it's Rank Mast, but I Joey was rank, really
1: good. I think it's Rank Mast, but Joey was very good. I think Rank just might do a li- might be a little bit more versatile.
0: Yeah, there were some Joey limitations even when he was really, really good that I don't think Rank Mast has defensively, but. Um, yeah, they'd be great. And then about uh, us going to Michigan State, Illinois, your thoughts? Uh we're not going. You just don't want to see Michigan State in person, is what it seems. We could very easily go to the Brez this weekend. It's not oh, it is at the Brez, isn't it? Yeah. Is is Couldn't it okay go. to say I'm scared of Illinois? Y- kinda. You're scared of Brad Underwood walking into your crib? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think he I group. think he owns me. Bre- oh, Wait, brother? Yeah, I think he owns me.
0: I need you to be owned too. We're all, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all daddy Brad's children. I I love that. Welcome to the family. Uh this is from Spencer. He says, I would really enjoy Robbie Hummel coming on as a guest for the Sleepers Podcast. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. This is not a jab. I'm not insinuating anything more than just how entertaining and perhaps insightful it would be to hear Greg and Robbie banter over Big Ten basketball. No diss to Carter. Greg is hilarious and witty, and I think Hummel has a sense of humor and can also talk shop. Just saying, that would be dope. But then again, what the hell do I know? Boiler the F up. I promise that's not my burner.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's noted, Spence. That's noted. Just know that. Because I love Hummel too. But you were way too excited to say that he's insightful and witty for my liking. There ain't no there ain't an MF or more insightful or witty than this guy right here. <laughs> All right. And just know you propelled me to a 25 and 10 performance in Men's League last night because I took that personally.
0: Are we gonna get the film? It sounds like it was a generational performance. There's
1: no there's no film
0: in this league. It's a different league. What? Yeah, I'm not playing in a league with a film. Oh, it crushes me. Crushes me. Set up a little tripod. You've done it before? But I have done that before. Should I do that? yeah yes we we can't have 25 and 10 nights that aren't documented like what is this wilt yeah all right Uh, it's not like i went for 50 it can't happen but uh good job though good performance good win uh also i just want to make it known i hit hit, hit four threes g i love that i'm sure uh, truly i'm sure it was a great performance everybody says you killed um i just love so much that you have discovered mid-episode the thumb point and that you are now done with the slipper bit because the thumb bit is the new bit. And I love that. I love it. Don't even give me a slipper flip. The slipper flip is dead. It's now the thumb bit. I love it. Moving on. Uh, you, well, you went back and forth with Spencer a little bit, which was very funny. Tristan is back. He says, in honor of Ulamog's consistent mix-up with colors, which of the nine primary rainbow colors is the most Overrated? Overrated? Yeah, what's the most overrated color? Obvious answer for me.
1: I think it's yellow. Really? Yeah. And this has nothing to do with Michigan, because I know people are gonna point to that. Also Michigan's maze. But like yellow just never really does it to me. I don't know if like it's Yeah, I'm just not a yellow person.
0: I guess I don't hate that answer, but I think a lot of a lot of the best uniforms use some version of yet like marquette behind me great use of yellow oregon's uniforms with yellow big but
1: but but it's never a main well i guess oregon's main ones are yellow but like i think that yellow by itself isn't good the thing that makes oregon good is yellow plus green
0: but yellow i think is an elite accent color which is why it can't be the most overrated color like the the maryland uniforms with the splashy yellow are good Uh, UCLA good like yellow is a key accent color can't be the most overrated by far the most overrated color is red by far Um, now that's not to say red isn't a great color red has its moments for sure but there's way too much red like I bet if you actually did percentage lookups of every division one athletics program over 50 percent would have red as the primary color And there's not – also, like, there's not enough creative shades of red. It's not like blue where you could have navy or royal or baby, like, a thousand different ways. Red is red, and red is gross, and red is just the same always. When I see a red-on-red matchup, I actively dread needing to watch it.
1: You really just talked me into that, and I really feel that. Like, there is no other versions of red.
0: And, like, red red is a singular color that doesn't go well with other things. Like, I guess red and yellow because yellow's elite as an accent can make anything work. But, like, are we going to really put red and blue together? That doesn't work for me. Red and orange, never. Red and green, what are you, Santa Claus? Like, I, it's, it ends up just being red and white, and that's it because red is a dominant, toxic, selfish color, and uh, it has a limited game. That was special by you. Thank you. Yeah, great question from Tristan. Uh, Sean Vowels, whose name is Red, by the way, and I can't even see it because it doesn't work on the gray background in the Discord, says, who is your glue guy first team this season? Who are your glue guys this year? Mm.
1: Who are my glue guys this year? The thing is, like, a lot of the glue guys I want to pick have been, like, too good to be glue guys. It gets in that, like that middle area. But you got to think. P- that I mean, I feel like Lance Jones has to be in, in art an argument for blue guy.
0: No, too good. It's, it's too good. Too good. Yeah. Mason, Gil- be, Mason Gillis. Gillis could be, you can't score like 20 regularly and be a blue guy. Uh, May- Mason Gillis. I'll do fan service with both of my first two answers. Mason Gillis and Ty Rogers. I think Ty Rogers might be the best blue guy in the country.
1: Wow. In the country.
0: In the country. Yeah. I mean, like, does everything, right? Never leads the team in shots, but, like, we'll get you 10 rebounds. Also, I think Gary also could be on the glue guy list, but he he flirts with being too good with points. But, like, the amount of – how much he's, like, upped his game as a rebounder feels really glue guy-y to me from Garrier. Um, Trey Holloman could count as a glue guy, I think, for Michigan State. He's been really good. Um uh, trying to think of non-Big Ten examples. Is Jalen Burgess too good to be a glue guy? Jalen Bridges is too good, I think. Although I, eh, I don't hate it, I guess.
1: Not, I mean, not this year. I mean, I mean, I guess somewhat, but I don't know. I'm trying to go. I'm trying to look, think of the top teams. It's so funny to me because when you would ask me about glue guys last year, I'd have like ten ready to go. I don't know if this is a year of glue guys.
0: No, it hasn't been. It hasn't been great. Um, like if you're going through some of the bet, like North Carolina's glue guys, like Elliot Cadell. Like or like uh, or I would even say Harrison Ingram,
1: but he's too good.
0: He's a star. Yeah, I don't know. Like UConn glue guy, Caravan's too good. Spencer's too good. Castle's too good. So like the the good teams are too good. The bad teams are too bad. I don't think there's much middle ground. Um. Oh, I got it. Great glue guy. All Big Ten with this. Max Klesman, great glue guy.
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah, love that. Love that yeah. answer.
0: We got to find more Max Klezman. Travis Nelson says top five college basketball matchups that make everything feel right in the world. Parentheses, one team has to specifically be the home team for some of these. His five matchups are number one, North Carolina versus Duke. Doesn't matter where. Number two, Kansas at Kansas State. Number three, Michigan State, Michigan. Doesn't matter where. Number four, Purdue at Indiana. So he wants Assembly Hall, not Mackey Arena, for that. And then number five, any Big Ten game at Wisconsin or any Big Twelve game at Oklahoma State. Bonus: Gonzaga at St. Mary's. Do you like that list? Do you have anything you would add to that list?
1: Mm-hmm. For some reason, I want to add Auburn at Alabama. It's a fun one. That is that that always seems to that always seems to go crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I like that list. I think the one that needs to go away is any Big 12 game
0: at Oklahoma State. I don't know if that belongs. I like Oklahoma State's home court advantage. It always feels like a crazy spot. Like doesn't matter how bad they are, they're going to show up. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think you nailed all the big ones for me. It's a good comment from Travis I feel like the only things that jump out of my head there's been times where the carrier Dome for Syracuse used to feel like one of those like a like a Duke or a North Carolina at Syracuse game it used to be must watch for me but yeah true that kind of went away um I'm trying big East is there anything from the I feel like we're really missing big East answers. I I mean um uh I'm not sure who the team would be, but like at Providence, anybody at Providence a couple years like yeah. the Ed Cooley runs at Providence were must watch. Yeah, like UConn at Providence or something like that. Seton Hall might be becoming that team for me right now. Like the when one of the best Big East teams is at Seton Hall, that's a I can't miss yeah. it. At at Welsh Ryan, <laughs> I would add Purdue at the rack.
1: Ooh, honestly, at the rack when they were like the Ron Harper Junior years, like those. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that game where Ron Harper Jr. hit that half quarter to beat Purdue at yeah. the rack
0: that was unreal. Crazy, for sure. Coop has a comment. He says, which is more terrifying, the boo zone or overtime Jerome Tang? Boo zone. Yeah, I think the boo zone is scarier. We're going to talk about overtime Jerome Tang in a separate thing. But um, to me, because the, the boo zone thing feels like someone individually killing you, like you're faced off with a serial killer, Jerome Tang. I don't get that vibe. Like it's, it's the whole organization. It's a whole team you're up against, but you have a whole team to work with. Boo feels personal. Like when Boo is doing the boo thing in the boo zone, it feels like he's out individually to harass you and embarrass you. And that would scare me more as a defender. Uh, Janet Janny Boy Terp, we have a Maryland fan in the Discord, says, uh, I just watched the – or I saw the new ESPN Bracketology bubble watch. Only six teams from the Big Ten. Definitely an all-time low that he's seen recently. Two locks, two should be in, two work to do. For Nebraska to be the sixth team, that's very shaky. Will this become a trend? All-time low Big Ten teams in the tournament. Do you think that's a trend going forward? No, I don't. Because once again, I go
1: back to this, other teams in this conference need to be better. Other teams need to step up.
0: I don't know that I'd call it a trend necessarily, but I think it is something that might keep happening. Um, it's not because of like anything involving the broader college basketball sphere. It's that the coaches in the Big Ten stink. Like, you, you, the good coaches are the teams that are making the tournament, and the bad coaches are the ones that aren't. Tom Izzo makes it every year. Matt Painter makes it every year. Brad Underwood makes it every year. This year, Chris Collins and Fred Hoiberg are going to make it. And honestly, it's because, like, they've been coaching their butts off the past couple of years. Greg Gard makes it every year because he's a good coach. No, they didn't make it last year. You Well, you can draw yeah, – you're right. You can draw the line there, though, and, like, who else is a good coach in this league? Kevin Willard? Chris no. Holman, No. Fran McCaffrey? Fran's good. Fran's good. Fran wants to leave. Fran that's makes good. the tournament all the time. You gotta give him that. Okay. So like the like the fifth best coach in this league is probably Steve Peichel. <laughs> that's that's the issue here. Like, we're not the big east right now has Dan Hurley. Um, Greg McDermott's good. Shaka Smart's good. Like, I think Shaheen's good. I Dude, even like even the Sean Miller, like. I think Ed Cooley's good. Like, they have a lot of coaches who are just like, you're going to have tournament teams year in and year out. The Big Ten doesn't have that. We have a bunch of bubble coaches who are probably on the hot seat. Big, bad
1: motto. Biggie's really good. Really great coaching year for the Big Ten. That's
0: league. really good. And the Big 12 is loaded with great coaches. And then you go to the ACC. It's like, why is the ACC down? Oh, Kenny Payne coaches Louisville. Oh, Steve Forbes is probably the fourth best coach in that league right now. He's never made the NCAA tournament. Like – Kevin Keats is about to get fired. Like, I, it's 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 literally just coaches. Do you have a great coach or not? And right now, the Big Ten is in an all-time weak spot for coaching compared to what they were 10 years ago. And, they're, I, like, I think most of these places are going to have to make changes. Like, Woodson's going to have to leave Indiana at some point. Howard's going to leave Michigan. Willard's going to leave Maryland. It's not going to work. So, good luck.
1: I'm really intrigued by this coach's theory. It's got me, like, going conference to conference now.
0: Yeah, you can literally tell what conferences are good. It's based on who the coaches are. That's why the Big Ten is in the spot that they're currently in. Uh, Painters Petting Zoo alumni says, reminder to you, Sleepers Media, if you want your – oh, he's just telling people how to do the comment section. Thanks, Painters Petting Zoo. That's it. That's everything. Good job, Greg. Oh, thanks. Good job, comment section. There's more about them. Uh, thanks to everybody in there. Let's get to the show today. We're going to start with the aforementioned Jerome Tang. We have a Kansas, Kansas state recap up on the channel from yesterday. You can go watch that. If you want our thoughts on what specifically happened in this version of that rivalry game. With that said, uh, Jerome Tang is a wizard. I, I think he might be like using dark magic. I think there's some scary elements of this. Like I, he definitely owns a Ouija board uh he's 11 and 0 in overtime games in the last year and a half to put some framing around this 6 and 0 in overtime games this year 6 overtime wins in a season is a division 1 record for a team in college basketball it's february 6th there's a month and a half left cart and he already set the record for most overtime wins in a season he was 5-0 and last year, so he already had the record last year to immediately go do it again this year and to never lose an overtime game along the way. Like, 11 overtime games in a year and a half, win them all, I think is one of the most insane statistical oddities we will ever see in sports. Um, now, it begs the question, like, is this luck? Is this something he's doing coaching skill-wise? Is it a mix of both? I don't know, and that's what I want to dive into here, but just... Broadly, like, appreciate the fact that this is completely absurd. Like, 27% of Jerome Tang's wins since he's been the Kansas State head coach have come in overtime. That's ridiculous. That doesn't happen anywhere else. And I was going back through it because someone on after – I think it was McCall on After Dark last night with the Field of 68 correctly called out that Florida State had the record. Florida State had the record for most overtime wins in a row in college basketball prior to this you have to go back, it's like 15 years to total 11 overtime games for the the school that has the record. The fact that he's played 11 overtime games in a year and a half alone is crazy. That's super high volume. It's probably the highest volume the sport has ever seen. And not only does he play them, he wins them every single time. I don't get this. Why does this happen? And do you think that it's more luck or more skill? I think it's more skill.
1: To be honest with you, I truly do, because a couple of things factor into this. I think that Jerome Tang is one of the better coaches, like coming out of one timeouts or two, just in these overtime situations. Like you think back to last season, um, Michigan State fans like know this all too well. There were some great plays and sets ran at the end of that game that, you know, boosted uh, Kansas State to win in that basketball game. Uh, together with their brilliance of Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel in this game against Kansas, there was some great stuff ran for Tyler Perry with like a a kind of a weak side elevator screen type thing going away, which got an open shot for Tyler Perry. And I just think that drone tank is very good. Just in these pressure, I'm going to draw something up. I got something that can get us a basket, get us a stop situation that makes him, you know, a really good coach. And the thing about it is, and If I had the uh, acumen to look up what teams he beat in each game, it's even more impressive to me that he's like going head to head with like these great coaches. Like he went head to head with Bill Self. Bill Self's a a coaching goat. And he went straight up with him in overtime and said, I'm going to win this basketball game. And that's impressive to me. And is there some luck involved in it? There probably is some maybe to get to overtime. But I don't think there's any luck involved in what he does once he gets to overtime. I think he just, I think he just locks in.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Um, look, I think, I think just to get to the point where you've played eleven overtime games, there's luck involved. Like Kevin McCuller was one for five from the free throw line last night. That's luck. If Kevin McCullough hits another free throw in regulation, you didn't even get to overtime. But I do think there's something to like. If you're a player on a Jerome Tang team and you get to that moment where everything gets tight because in overtime games especially in a rivalry game sometimes it's like what are you made of like what what's in your heart what what is the flowing through your veins right now is it fear or is it excitement is it ready for the moment or is it not and i do think there is something to the fact that jerome tang thrives in pressure high stakes in game moments like He's looking his huddle in the eyes in that huddle, and he's looking in the eyes like, "fellas, this is where we win every single time. I'm I'm eleven and zero. Every time we get here, we are eleven and zero. This is our home. We drag them to the deep water, and now they're drowning, and we're floating. Like I, that matters to me, but I still think it's ninety percent luck, cart. Like ninety, yes." Yes. But, okay, but do you, do you see where I'm coming from where, like, the stuff
1: he runs out of timeouts and sets towards the end of the game? I think he does some great stuff.
0: But that's not – he does that all game. Okay. So, like, that that's just – is Jerome Tang a good basketball coach, which he is? Like, why is it that he – I guess you can say, like, the, it, him being stronger in that skill set matters more when you get to a close game. But I just – I don't know, man. Like, I – I can't believe I'm doing this, but I, I have to do it. I have to compare it to the team that I think is the unluckiest team in college basketball, which is Michigan over the last three years with Juwan. Like, not this year. This year's the second half falters are not luck at all. That's a bunch of different reasons. But the past two seasons, they lost essentially every one possession game they played. You can go back and look it up. Like, 90% of the time, if Michigan played a game that was decided by three points or less, they lost the game. And I go to my grave saying it's luck. Like, it, Jawan Howard is a good offensive coach. He's run good offensive stuff his whole career. So, like, players not making... Like, when Michigan beat Wisconsin last year, it was because Hunter Dickinson made a crazy three at the buzzer. Like, that, was, that wasn't anything anybody drew up. It was luck. And that happens. And if you go through these 11 games for Jerome Tang, there's a lot of moments like that where it's just like, players made plays. Give him credit. But... I just, I, I don't know, man. I just think there's a world because I think everybody agrees Jerome Tang is like the hottest coach you could hire right now. Like if you're Louisville, right, Jerome Tang's supposed to be the top of your list.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, and I don't know why he wouldn't be. If he
0: goes two and nine in these games, nobody wants to hire him. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody wants to hire him. Like that's the a guy who twenty percent or twenty seven percent of your wins. Is have been overtime games like? Wait, uh, sorry, are you calling Jerome Tang an overtime merchant?
1: Because I don't know, I don't know if you can play that game because the the margin for winning and losing is so slim that you can't do the whole "what if he lost those games" thing because he didn't.
0: This is what I'm doing. I say this as a Michigan fan with the hat on. I would take any cold-blooded American with a heartbeat and a brain as my head coach right now. Like that's, I would take that. Like, I don't care. I'll take the guy who bags your groceries at whole foods. I would take him as long as he promises not to hit anybody to be my head coach. With that said, if I was on the committee evaluating who I would hire for a job like Michigan or a job like Louisville, and I was putting resumes together and I'm like, these are our five targets and it was like Jerome Tang, Mick Cronin, Dusty May and two other guys. I would move Jerome Tang to the very back of the list because I think this overtime record is a massive asterisk on his success as a coach. Like it's not going to continue forever. He is wherever he goes next, he is not going to go 11 and 0 in overtime games. He might go 5 and 5, he might go 0 and 11. He might go eleven and zero. I don't know. Who knows? It's a coin flip. But like that, like twenty seven percent of his wins have been this style. That's it. Like we are the margins are so razor thin to Jerome Tang's narrative as a coach being horrible. Like, and give him credit that he's rolled the dice the right way over and over again. He's bucking my Dan Campbell theory. Like you can't roll the dice and end up being looking like a good coach. But like, I just. I I put a massive asterisk on it, man. Like, I think it's luck. I think it's ninety percent luck, ten percent little baby. I don't like this.
1: I don't like this. I this. We do the whole pre thing, you know, the pre talk, topic discussion. I didn't know that this was where this was going. I was I wanted to shift more towards a Tang is getting it done. Tang is a guy that when the comes down to winning time, he wins,
0: and that's and sometimes that's the difference between a good and a bad coach. I mean, look, Marquise Noel and Tyler Perry are guys who can also go win one-on-one battles. Like, you have to give Jerome Tang credit for building the rosters that might be good in a one-on-one setting late. Like, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I Like, what's luckier to you, Dusty May making a Final Four once or Jerome Tang being 11-0 in overtime games?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, pro- I mean, probably Jerome Tang being 11-0 in overtime
0: games. Right, and people like to throw out, like, oh, it was just one tournament run. What else are you doing? And, like, I think that's a fair criticism of Dusty May right now. His team looks like crap most most nights right now. So, I just – I don't know. I Like, this is never going to happen again. That's the only thing I feel confident about. Jerome Tang is never going to go 11-0 in overtime again.
1: Okay. (laughs) Can we get a sleeper's bet here? What's the bet? The next overtime game that they have, Jerome Tang wins it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a really fun bet actually because we don't know when it's going to come yeah it could come anytime it could it could might even be for kansas state what does the loser have to do
1: the loser has to get the same haircut as Drum tank i don't like that because i don't
0: I, I don't know how that works with my hair
1: yeah, actually I, I don't know how it'd work with any of our hairs because he's he's balding um oh I, I mean i feel like you have an arsenal of Punishments for sleeper is best
0: that you just have readily available at is any time. Tang, Tang's a drink, right? Does Tang still exist? Does what? The the drink Tang. I've never heard of the drink Tang. Google Tang for me real quick. It's like an orange drink. I want to say it's like orange juice, but a little different. Tang drink? Yeah, okay. So, oh. this is the thing. so okay, here, here's the bet. Uh it, it looks like it used to be like bottles of Tang or cans of Tang that you could buy. This was a thing in like the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Uh it's like an orange drink, orange juice-ish drink replacement. You can go to Amazon and you can get Tang packets apparently, just like Tang flavored mix. I'm assuming you mix this with water and you can drink your Tang. Uh if Jer- Jerome Tang wins his next overtime game, I have to drink only Tang for a week. That's the only liquid that I can put in my body is Tang. Do we want to do this
1: once again before looking at the nutritional facts of Tang?
0: You can look them up. It, I don't think Tang
1: is unhealthy. It's got thirty-four grams of sugar in each serving. What's wrong with that? There's fifteen servings in a container of Tang.
0: Well, you don't ha- like you don't have to drink anything. But like,
1: oh, oh so like you could choose not to drink anything.
0: Yeah, just like the only liquid you're allowed to put in your body for a week is Tang.
1: God, that sucks.
0: <laughs> like, no, uh, well, you don't do cereal because you don't do milk, but um, like, yeah. I you're.
1: Do, I do do cereal. I do cereal with almond milk.
0: Oh, cool. Well, no almond milk for you this week. It would be Tang. Um, no, like if you're if for your men's game, you go for 28 and 10. No water, no sip of water, no Gatorade. It's Tang. tang. Yeah, for a week. All right, deal. Last thing, do you want to do one game or do you want to do best of three? Because I like my chances more the more we drag this out. If we do like the next seven Jerome Tang games, he's gonna lose four of seven.
1: I only want one I just want the next overtime game. Jerome Tang wins
0: all right. So to solidify this, if Jerome Tang wins his next overtime game, I have to only drink tang juice for a week. If uh Jerome Tang loses his next overtime game, you have to only drink Tang for a week. Deal. That overtime game is going to be thrilling wherever oh, it is. I can't. I hope
1: it's the next game, please. Like, I need
0: mean. a crazy fun bet. Okay, let's move on. Uh, This is a topic that kind of goes in line with Kansas and Kansas State, but it's been something that I've been thinking about for a little bit. I think smart college basketball minds have been thinking about for a little bit. I think Riley Davis might have brought this up on a previous episode, but I'm just going to ask it point blank. Are we sure anyone in the Big 12 is actually good? Because I'm looking at, Records. I'm looking at how jumbled this is right now. It's a mess. You have 12 teams that are separated by two games in the standings from the very first team at the top of the standings, Houston, who is six and three, down to the 12th place team in the Big 12, UCF, who is four and five. Just two games separate them. Houston, Iowa State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, BYU, Oklahoma, Texas, Cincinnati, and UCF. All have between three losses and five losses in conference play. We're halfway through conference play, so like at this point, I think a team with six, maybe even seven losses, is going to win a share of the Big 12 championship this year. The metrics love Houston; they they keep them at number one in the country on Ken Palm and Torvik, even though they just got blown out by Kansas. Um, I think Iowa State's kind of good but flawed. I think Baylor's kind of good but flawed. I think Kansas clearly has flaws everyone accepts that this is the best league in the country because of how many good teams there are. But are we sure that any of them individually are actually positively good?
1: Gregory, how much do we talk to each other? You think on a daily basis, like hours, hours. Okay. You, you, you kind of know me pretty well. What's one of my favorite hypothetical bits. Hmm. Are they actually good? <laughs> no, that that is one of them, but here's, here's, here's where I'm going with this. I love the hypothetical situation of going out and getting 50 college basketball fans, ask them on the street, who's the best team in the big 12. Yeah. You know how split that would be? I would get some Houston's. I would get some Baylors. I'd get some Kansas. I might even get a Texas tech in there. And the, the, the casual, the most people would say, oh, that's because the league is so deep. So many good teams. Maybe the league just isn't as good as you thought. Like there are are there truly any great teams in the big
0: twelve like great I think there are definitely no great teams I'm more curious like are any of them even good
1: <laughs> I think I,
0: mean. I think I think
1: there are two good teams currently in the big twelve okay who
0: I think it's Kansas and I think it's Iowa State see that's and I get, like, Kansas just beat Houston, but I don't know how we can watch Kansas lose on the road in every Big 12 game they play to bottom dwellers and say that they're good right now. Like, I I think Iowa State's better than them, playing better than them. I think Houston, over the course of the season, has been better than them. Baylor's going to play close. Baylor could play your men's league team, and it would be a two-point game with two minutes left. Baylor could also play the Los Angeles Lakers, and it'd be a two-point game. Like, that's just what they do. So, but I don't know. I don't, like... I want to say Kansas is good, but Kansas has five players that have to play 39 minutes each, and they're gassed. Like that's not good. Uh, Houston, I th- we all think Houston's good. They haven't beaten anybody with a pulse at all. Like, ooh. Uh, not not
1: not everyone thinks Houston's as great as as you say. You don't like Houston at all. You've been no, either. I think I just think they're a worse version than previous teams, and that's a good basketball team. Don't get me
0: wrong, but oh, I they are good. Know. You just said yeah, that's a good basketball team. They're good. They're not the best team in the Big Twelve. Okay, but you I asked you who's good. You said Kansas and Iowa State, and now you're saying Houston's a good basketball team. Well, are they are they good or not? Stand on business. Are they good or not, Cart? Yes, Houston's good. So how many good teams are there actually? If you're relenting on Houston, are you also relenting on Baylor? Is Baylor good?
1: No, I think there's three good teams. Houston, Iowa State, Kansas. Is BYU good? No.
0: Is Kansas State good? No. Even though they just beat Kansas? Don't schedule loss. Here's how I'd summarize it. I think all of these teams we're mentioning are good at home. Well, that's college basketball. It's easy to be good at home, right? Yeah, it's very easy to be good at home. Like you, I podcast with you every single day. You're great at home. When you podcast from home, you are iconic. When you get a little adversity thrown your way, when you're on the move, when you don't know if you have good Wi-Fi, when you don't have a comfy little cushion and a side table and your slippers in front of you, things get a little dicey. Okay, this is this has been a running theme going on lately that I can't operate under, under pressure. Well, I'm just saying, like, it, it's great that I always get you from home, but, like, you going to do it anywhere else? Have you ever done
1: it anywhere else? I haven't oh, seen yeah. You yeah, it anywhere. Yeah, else. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the window at my parents' my my dad's office at my parents' house? Under the comfort of your parents' house. Well, it's a neutral site. That's home. It's a neutral site. I was in the mountains of Arizona. It's a neutral site. You're right, actually. You have gone on the road, and got some big road wins. I I've gotten I've been massive on the road. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I can't leave my question in your game. Uh okay, so Nobody's great, though. That's our takeaway. Nobody in the Big 12 is great.
1: No, nobody is great, and don't take this as absolute disrespect. I just don't think that big the Big 12 is the best conference in the country, and I think that's what everyone says, and I I just don't think they are. So
0: who is, though? Because that to, when we did our conference tiers, it had to be Big 12 or SEC, but we we called it out successfully and said the champion isn't in here. There's a bunch of good teams, but the champion isn't in there.
1: I think I would lean SEC currently.
0: But see, that they're the same as the Big 12 to me. Like, is Kentucky good? I won't let go. We know Tennessee's good. That's the difference. I think, like, ten- if you line you know, up every we, we, team. We, we, know, we know Alabama's good, right? I think. Like, if you lined up all the Big 12 teams and all the SEC teams, which are, don't they have the Big 12 SEC yeah, it, That's coming up, I think. Is it? It should, right? Isn't that – that's the challenge. Did that die? Did that die this year? I think it might have died. That Why Why would they do that? Yeah, I think it died. But it, if we lined them all up, I think we're taking at minimum two SEC teams at the top, maybe three. Because we're taking – we're for sure taking Tennessee. We're for sure taking Alabama. And then you could talk me into Kentucky or Auburn before I'm taking Houston.
1: There is a Big 12 SEC tournament. There is? Or, or – challenge this year
0: it's not on the schedule oh nope never mind yeah not on the schedule um all right let's end this segment with this so we agree the big 12 is overrated but i i still don't feel like we got an answer to is anyone good you you yeah. went with two teams and then you went with three teams i'm going to go through every big 12 team i just want you to answer are they great are they good are they bad are they fine great good bad fine Starting at the top of the standings, Houston. Good. Iowa State. Good. Baylor. Fine. I agree with you so far. Texas Tech. Fine. Kansas. Good. TCU. Fine. Kansas State. Bad. (laughs) I'm locked in with you right now. BYU. BYU.
1: I don't want to say bad, but I think that's
0: rude. Fine. Me too. Oklahoma? Fine. Texas? Bad. Ooh, that one hurts. Cincinnati? Fine. UCF? Fine. West Virginia? Bad. Oklahoma State? Bad. Okay, so I I would have said there's more bad teams at the bottom. I would have said Cincinnati's bad, UCF's bad, Um, but... All in all, we, we're aligned. There's no great teams. There's maybe three good teams, and everybody else is just fine at
1: best. And that's also not bad because I think if we right now were like, let's name the great teams in the country, there would be one from the Big Ten and one
0: from the Big East. Yeah. Right? And one from the ACC. North Carolina? And maybe a couple from the SEC. Like, that's the difference for me. There's a couple of great teams from the SEC? There could be. Like, Tennessee could be great.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's just true. But so you don't all right. Before we wrap this up, you said Tennessee can be great. You don't think Kansas can be great? Are, are, is, is there a Big Twelve team that can be great?
0: Every Big Twelve team has flaws that are way bigger than teams like Tennessee, for me. Like Houston's the only team in the Big Twelve that I don't think has serious flaws. And maybe Iowa State. But he like Houston. If Houston has a flaw, it's just that I don't think their players are that top-end talent-wise this year and that their resume is beating up on bad teams, and that's it. They don't have a great win under their belt. Like, ooh, you beat BYU. Oh, what do you want, a cookie? Iowa State has an elite defense and a great point guard. I guess I would say I don't think they have a fatal flaw. Baylor, defensively, I don't trust them at all. Kansas has zero depth whatsoever. Uh, Texas Tech... (laughs) I think their defense stinks, which is weird to say about a Texas Tech program. TCU plays up and down to competition, and that's it. That's their only trick in the bag. Kansas State has three players, and you never know what you're going to get from any of those three players. Uh, BYU can't beat any of the best teams that face them. Like, any time they've played a team with a pulse, except for Iowa State, uh, they have no-showed that game. Everybody else isn't even worth doing this exercise for. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. Yeah, that's tough. All right, final topic today. This was tweeted at me. I want to make sure I give the person credit, but honestly, I scrolled so far away from it in my mentions that I've lost where it is. But somebody wanted us to do, who are the teams best suited to beat Purdue when they get to the NCAA tournament? I think that's a fun topic, and I want to do that for not just Purdue, but the other two teams I think qualify on the elite tier of college basketball right now. So for Purdue, for UConn, and for North Carolina, let's go through those three and say, who are the teams they could face in the NCAA tournament at some point? That are nightmare matchups, maybe designed to cause them problems in a way most teams cannot. Let's start with Purdue. Who would be the teams Purdue does not want to see in the NCAA tournament?
1: Uh, well, you got to start with Northwestern. I mean, that's 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 a given. They just don't want that. That's their kryptonite. I know they beat them at Mackey. They just don't want to see that team. It's just one of those teams, like you brought up on an episode a couple weeks ago. They just don't want to see Northwestern. That is what it is. Doesn't take away from Purdue's greatness. Um, I hate doing this exercise only because one of the teams I would pick, Purdue, already beat, but I would put Alabama in that mold as well. One, I think Alabama is a better team right now than they were back when they played Purdue. Um, and I just think the style and the game of Mark Sears is a team that could give them uh give them a little bit of trouble. And then the third team I would go with is probably UNC because I think RJ Davis could be special. He could be in that boo role, uh, and they got the you know the other other parts around them that I think could give Purdue issues.
0: Okay, I don't hate that at all. Um, I only have two additional teams to add to this, uh, and they're they're not teams that you mentioned already. The first one is the one I feel strongest about. I think this is the absolute nightmare matchup for Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Florida Atlantic. If you go through Florida Atlantic's profile, they are very similar to Northwestern. They are very good offensively. They are okay defensively. They shoot the piss out of the ball from three, 37% as a team. They don't play fast, but the, the difference is Florida Atlantic doesn't play as slow as Northwestern does, which I actually think is a big part of trying to beat Purdue is slow the, the tempo down and make it a limited possession game. But to counter that, they have Vlad Golden who if Vlad Golden stayed out of foul trouble could actually do a decent enough job on Zach Edie that, John L. Davis just needs to cook in that drop coverage setting. And John L. Davis is a dangerous, dangerous man. We've seen Florida Atlantic on the biggest games on their schedule. Like, are they coasting through conference play? Hell yeah, they're coasting through conference play. What did they do in non-conference? Beat a bunch of top 100 teams. They smoked Texas A&M, smoked Virginia Tech, scored 91 against Butler, more importantly, beat Arizona in double overtime. When Arizona was like everyone's darling hot team, Florida Atlantic was like, nah, we, we're better than them. John L. Davis is going to destroy you. So I, uh, I would not want to see them at all. I think they could do everything that Boo did and have a seven-foot big man. The other one I would just add is Colorado State, which just checks some of my biggest boxes. Have an elite guard who can hook Zach Edey in drop coverage. Play extremely slow. Colorado State slows the half-court tempo down. I think that is problematic for Purdue.
1: Can I throw one out there? But you could probably shoot it down for many of reasons. One might be that they actually play fast. Yeah. What do you think about what about New Mexico?
0: Uh, I the fast thing is what would scare me most about them. Um, okay. I I don't know what it is about New Mexico. I I don't all the way trust them. Mm. I think they almost have too many good players. As weird as like I would rather I'd feel better about New Mexico if I felt like they had one key guy who was the key guy every night instead of like some nights it's house, some nights it's dent, some nights it's Mashburn. Yeah, I feel that. Have you also been sitting on that FAU
1: would be tough for Purdue, like thought for a while, or did that just come to you? It's been in the back of my mind for about a month. That kind of pisses me off that that wasn't brought to the forefront because I cause I'm I'm all aboard for that.
0: It's probably not going to happen because Florida Atlantic needs to just get to the tournament first. But, like, I I will remind people of this. Remember when Wichita State made a Final Four run and was everybody's darling? And then the year after that, do you remember what happened?
1: No, I don't, actually.
0: Wichita State actually did what Florida Atlantic's been struggling with and, like, stormed through the following year with Van Vliet and Ron Baker and everything. They were, like, one of the better teams in the country. Wichita State ended up... Uh, playing Kentucky in the round of 32. Like the the bracketologists just screwed both sides. Here's Kentucky and here's Wichita State. And I believe Kentucky ended up beating them because that was the Julius Randle year. And he, yeah, the, he beat my Michigan team in the Elite Eight that year. But yeah. if the bracketologists get a chance to put Florida Atlantic on the 8-9 line, and they play, and they play. Ooh, ooh! Round of thirty-two. Hey, Purdue. Here's Florida Atlantic. Like that'd be tough. That would be tough, and it's very plausible that that could happen. Um, okay, down the list though, who would be a nightmare matchup for UConn?
1: The injury report. Um,
0: <laughs> I have another angle on this.
1: I think that UConn is obviously one of the more complete teams in the country. Um. One of, the, one of the things would be, would be them going against coaches. Coaches, I think, would be an interesting matchup for them. As far as, like, I just think Hurley kind of can sometimes get – he can do the Hurley thing and get caught up in, like, personal coaching vendettas matchups with other teams' coaches. Now, it doesn't necessarily affect them because they're so good, but I think that that would be one for me. I don't know who the coach would be, but some coach that just – intimidates Hurley or goes Hurley for Hurley with Hurley would be an intriguing match to me secondly I think it'd be a team like Purdue honestly with a dominant post player like I think that Klingon's good I think that Samson is good obviously both good defensive players but I truly think that down low they're a little bit softer than people give them credit for like I love Caraban. you know that I call him the best four in the country um I think that there are mismatches for Caravan though. So it would have to be a team. Who's the best four man in the country, in your opinion?
0: You always say it's Caraban. Um outside of Caraban. Like I that's it's kind of a weaker spot to me because there's so many like good true bigs. Like I Kishaw Johnson's really good. I don't know that I'd say he's the best. Are we considering Dalton Connect to three? Mm-hmm. let me throw out a random team here and I don't know if they'll
1: be good enough for it but like give me like a on Lee j d Ladee Jaden Ladee Jaden Ladee sorry I did it I did it right yesterday give me hey, Jaden Ladee just a very versatile bucket getting four man I don't believe in caravans defense
0: as much as others do okay I think that's very fair um all right. So there's a couple statistical things that I have that I would not want to see if I was UConn. I was going through their games, and um to me, the the number one trend that bit them against Kansas and Seton Hall was a couple things. You have to be a team that's tough physically. Like I, I think as good as UConn is, do I think Yukon's an extremely physically tough team cart? No. Like I Klingon's great. Don't think he's the toughest big man in the country. Uh, Alex Caravan's great. Don't think he's going to physically out overwhelm you or anything. Um, Cam Spencer. Great. Can you get Cam Spencer off his shit a little bit by getting in his shorts? Yeah, you can. Tristan Newton is very good and very tough, but also a guy I think that can be got to a little bit. And Castle's young, even though he's an athletic, physical guy. Um They've lost two games this year. They lost to Kansas. They lost to Seton Hall. Seton Hall tough as shit. I'm gonna get in your shit. Kansas. I don't want to say they're they're not tough. I also wouldn't necessarily call them tough. But like Dickinson's a big game guy. Like you want to show up and be a good center. I'm gonna get in your shit. Um, I think Kevin McCullough is like the best wing in the country. I think Dewan Harris is tough defensively. They had personnel that will take individual matchups personally with UConn's guys and get chippy and get in their shit. Uh, so there aren't many teams that I think can claim that, but I have two that I think would surprise people. One is not surprising. It's Tennessee. Um, They, they are tough as nails. Number two defense in the country, elite two-point defense, which I think you have to have against UConn because UConn isn't the – world's best shooting team they get a lot of easy buckets you have to take away the rim tennessee's bigs would do that zakai ziegler's been coming on offensively for sure as like a guard who will will one harass you defensively but two will like let you know about it and have a big game offensively look what he just did in rup um i would not want to see tennessee if i'm uconn that wouldn't happen until late in the tournament but it is what it is here's one that might happen early in the tournament and it happened last year in the tournament as well you know who i'm gonna go to Mm-mm. St. Mary's. Ooh. So I've been ringing the bell for St. Mary's since our bleacher report room last week. I think this team can make a final four this year. They just went on the road and beat Gonzaga. You're ringing the bell like that. Yeah. I'm in on it now. Oh, they went wow. on, they went on the road and beat Gonzaga and that like people were telling me, Oh, it's a bad spot. It's Gonzaga at home. Like, and I know Gonzaga's not good. The St. Mary's team has the longest win streak in the country right now. They're tough as shit. They're holding teams to like 30 points a game. That defense is elite. That two-point defense is elite. And you know what else they have? They have a guard who will get chippy with you and talk his shit and show up in Aiden Mahaney. Um, This game last year, UConn ended up winning. They poured it on late. If you remember, there was a big injury for St. Perry's in that game. I talked about it at the Final Four. Like, if, uh, I think it was Dukas went down, if Dukas doesn't go down, that was a dogfight of a game. St. Mary's was down one point at halftime to UConn. So uh, I don't think they want to see them. I think St. Mary's is playing great. They're tough as shit. They take away the rim. And Aiden Mahaney is a dude who can go toe-to-toe with Tristan Newton. I love
1: the St. Mary shout. Uh, if this team could make the tournament, UConn doesn't want to see Rutgers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, th- that type of team is what I think. Physically overwhelming, take away the rim, maybe have a guard who will get in your shit. Final one, North Carolina. Uh, who's a nightmare matchup for North Carolina? Arizona.
1: Caleb <laughs> Love of revenge on the mind. Just don't um, want to see that. <laughs> no, uh, I think that, and this is not saying they're the same team, but I I know people have been singing the, the praises of, you know, the Armando Becas of the world. Um, and I know that people have been singing the praises of North Carolina's three-point defense. I think a little bit more of that has to do with guys missing shots against North Carolina. Now, it's great defense. Do not get me wrong, but like if I could get a locked in Nebraska against North Carolina, guys that can knock down shots. Tomonaga gets t- you know gets gets hot. I think that rink mask will be a mismatch for Armando Baycott. Not saying that he's better than Armando Baycott, but I think he has the ability to knock down the three. He can do some things off the dribble. He has the post moves i really like that matchup for mass um i think i think i might pick like if i had to pick an upset in a bracket i think nebraska would be a perfect team um to do that uh
0: am i completely off base there no i don't think you are at all um so I, I am still searching for a team that I think is a nightmare matchup for uh North Carolina that they would face like early in the tournament. I haven't found one. I'm looking for a very specific thing offensively. Um, I, Okay. I think I have one. I think I have one. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me fact check this no, 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 not out there. Yes, I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. So you go through North Carolina's games this year. And what are the trends? They've lost four games. Why did they struggle? They lost to Villanova. They lost to UConn. They lost to Kentucky. And they lost to Georgia Tech. First off, Georgia Tech, I'm willing to kind of throw out. I'm more fixated on, like, what's the common thread between Villanova, UConn, and Kentucky? First off, talented as shit. Those teams are just really good basketball teams. Uh, Other than Villanova, UConn, and Kentucky obviously are. Second, You have to have a big who can expose Baycott a little bit. Like, and I've talked about, I think Baycott is a big guy, like a a big game guy, but you have to have someone who can drag him to the perimeter a little bit. Like Kentucky's able to bring him out. If they go small with Trey Mitchell, Um, Villanova, Eric Dixon went off against Baycott in that game. You talked about it the whole game. Connecticut has shooting at the front court with Caraban Um, to me. You have to have a good big. You have a talented big that can space you out. And then most importantly to me, you have to be able to shoot threes because in North Carolina's losses all season, it's just been teams making shots. In their wins, teams just miss shots. You have to be good enough that I'm not worried about the North Carolina three-point defense stifling you. Um, And playing slow is a bonus because North Carolina loves to run. Villanova and UConn specifically really slow things down, and I thought that really gave North Carolina problems. There's one team I have found plays slow, shoots the piss out of the ball, has a great big who can stretch you out to three. Any guesses? No. Dayton Flyers. Do they shoot the ball well? They are seventh in the country in three point shooting. Thirty nine. Wear that. Wow. Thirty nine percent as a team. They are the 16th best offense. They play super slow, like Virginia level slow, 349th in tempo. And uh, most importantly, I think you will agree with this. Deron Holmes is a better player than Armando Baycott. And when it gets to crunch time and Deron Holmes is one-on-one with Armando Baycott, I think you're going to like your chances. if you're Dayton. He's also been shooting well from three lately. He's made a three in eight of his last nine games, a couple three three-pointer games. Um, Riley's not going to like that take. Dayton, Carolina – in the round of 32 potential. Once again, like a team who could be on the eight line. Sorry, Carolina. Like you got to do it. it homes. We might have to have a segment on
1: if being a one seed is going to be that great this year.
0: Well, that's if, so if St. Mary's Florida Atlantic and Dayton are on the eight, nine line, that's c- tough. circle those games. Yes. But yes. if they just pivot, if they get assigned to the wrong teams, they're all getting blown out.
1: <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs>
0: that was a fun exercise. Should we be bracketologists?
1: I think we'd be the I, I personally would be the worst bracketologist known to mankind because you got to do like the regional thing. I, I'm i just not that's not me.
0: Too much math.
1: No, it's just like people getting on me because I put some team in in the Des Moines region when they should be in the Dayton region or something. I'm just like that's
0: That's not that big of a difference to me. And I don't want to be yelled at for that reason. See, I would just cater to my agendas full time. Like, I oh, I want Brad Underwood to make a run. Let's give him the easiest path possible. <laughs> like, that's all it would be. Oh, I want to see teams get upset. Yeah, let's give them their nightmare matchup. That'd be so. Lovely. So, so the, so the one thing you cannot do is this Basically, uh-uh, don't want to do it. I used to before we ever did any of this media stuff. I would just always change my Twitter name to Greggy Brackets every Man. March. Oh, yeah. uh, might be time to bring that back, though. We'll see. All right, fun show today. I enjoyed that. Good topics. Thanks to those who are tweeting us about some of these topics, uh, getting the creative juices flowing. We appreciate it. One big thing presented by Bigby. What do you got today? What product are you advertising? How do
1: you know I'm advertising a product?
0: Because you do that every day and that's your bit. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh,
1: you know, I talked about coffee earlier on in this episode. Uh, shout out to Matt F in the comment section. Coffee cups are something that everyone needs. Everyone wants the Yetis. Everyone wants the Stanley coffee cups. Those aren't the way to go. If you're drinking coffee on the go, like I am, you need to get some of these. I don't know where you can get them. A lot of people give them as gifts um, for any Caucasian people out there. These are these these hit like crack at white elephant parties. <laughs> these, these porter mugs are amazing. They keep the coffee warm. They're like a silicone, like soft outside, like squishy, so your hand feels good around it. And it's just great on the go. You got caps for it. They have tall ones. They have short ones. They have like espresso shot level ones. Uh, I, Yeah, the, brand, the brand's Porter. If you're a coffee drinker on the go, grab at least four to six Porter mugs. And I know you got a couple, Greg. I, I haven't even seen them at your house. I know for a fact that Mal has some Porter mugs in the household
0: you know i don't know if we do i'm gonna go investigate i i am yeah. unfamiliar with porter brand um an all-timer carter elliott line for me uh if you're caucasian these hit like crack that's a great line uh yeah i think you're better at teaching me how to be white than i am i don't know if that's a good thing i don't know either but like you've given me a lot of like hey you're white you should do this tips and i don't i don't know what that means <laughs> All right. Uh, my one big thing is actually going to get extremely white really quickly. Um, first off, I, this is a callback. I lost sleep last night, and I woke up pissed off. Right, I, let, Greg, let it go, man. I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. I want to talk about Luke Holmes. I think it's bullshit, okay? Uh, every Everyone loves Luke Holmes. I watched the video finally of his performance with Tracy Chapman at the Grammys. This is ludicrous that Luke Holmes just gets to get away with this. Like uh, he's not the first person on earth to cover a song. He's just the first person on earth to ever like rise up the charts as if it's his hit single and make an entire marketing campaign around it as if he wrote fast car, which is one of the 10 best songs ever. And like, Oh, let's all applaud Luke Holmes for for letting Tracy Chapman sing his new song with him. It's so ridiculous. It's so egotistical. He's also not special whatsoever. Like, I'm sorry. I've said for years it would be the easiest job ever to be a, a country singer. Like, you just wake up, roll out of bed, and, like, talk about you pouring coffee in a cup okay. and four wheelers.
1: You're, you're, you're treating Luke Combs like he's Sam Hunt, and I'm not going to stand for that.
0: Sam Hunt has more talent than Luke Combs. Okay. Period. Now we're Period. just saying Period. Period. He's an, At I least Sam Hunt's original. At least Sam Hunt's original. Is what, he? what is Luke Combs? What is Luke Combs? He's a one-trick pony. What's he going to do next? Sing Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls and get a, get a gold record for it? Like, I I can't process this. Like, ooh, you know what, Luke? Let's hear Hey There, Delilah next week. That's a great one. Maybe the plain white tees can come out of retirement. and We can give you flowers. It's nonsense to me. I'm upset about it. Um, And it's insulting to songwriters everywhere. With that said, I have a fun creative flip on this that I'd like your help with, if you don't mind. Yes, please. I'm also going to warn you, this is going to result in me singing in a country singing voice for about 30 seconds at the end of this. All right, uh, let's get it. So... I was trying to think what the funniest song would be that Luke Combs could do this to cuz like you know the whole bit is like I'm just going to rip other people's songs and take credit for them and go get famous.
1: You realize he has hits without like covers, right? He doesn't have hits. He has no he hits. He, he has, has zero. He has, he
0: has zero hits. Fast, so is, hits. fast Car fast cars is his only hit and it's true. Oh
1: ca- okay, that's just uh, ass
0: kind. So what but like follow my path here, what would the funniest thing that Luke Combs could just like put his Cheeto puff fingerprints all over and sing at the Grammys. With. Why is
1: it Cheeto puff?
0: Why is it Cheeto puffs?
1: All right. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, so, like, I don't know, like a Drake song?
0: No, I have the answer. And I'd like to sing it and prove that it takes zero talent to fake a country accent and sing someone else's song and make it good. Let's hear it. This is Call Me Maybe by me impersonating Luke Combs. I threw a wish in a well. Don't ask me, I never tell. I looked to you and it fell. And now you're in my way. I trade my soul for a wish panties dimes for a kiss i wasn't looking for this but now you're in my way your stare was holding ripped jeans skin was showing hot night wind was blowing where you think you're going baby hey i just met you uh, uh, hey, this is crazy uh, but here's my number so call me maybe. And the other country boys, they try to chase me. But here's my number. So call me maybe. It's easy. It's stupid. He doesn't deserve credit for Fast Car, goddammit.
1: That was a slapper, by the way.
0: Stupid as shit. We'll be back tomorrow. What day? Is it Thursday tomorrow? We'll be back Thursday. That.